0: Thank you, Eric. Uh, Well, good morning, Steel Light. My name is Jason, as Eric just said, and uh, I'm a church planning resident here. And the last time I had the privilege of speaking, it was also a family Sunday, so I don't know what I'm supposed to sense from that. But what those guys have done, Doug and Eric, is they've said, all right, uh, I have four kids, so we love having kids in here. Uh, But kids are rambunctious, and we love that. So what they did was they raised the bar a bit, and they said, Jason, we're going to dress you in a ridiculous sweater. Uh, and then other people are going to be out there with lights flashing at you. We're going to have dead animals. Um, and so we want you to preach really well. And uh, also, has anybody seen Arnie this morning? <laughs> How am I supposed to preach with that in the room? I don't know. But let me just say, I love this church and I love our pastors so much. So thank you for setting me up uh, to preach this morning, guys. Uh, So, our our Christmas series has been the spirit of Christmas, and we think about the spirit not as some force, and I plan on seeing Star Wars later tonight, uh, not some force, but actually a person, and what the spirit has been doing, as we've been uh, seeing over the past few weeks, is the spirit has turned our hearts to Jesus uh, the Spirit has given us joy. The Spirit has given us gifts. And today what we're going to talk about is how the Spirit reveals or how the Spirit shows or sheds light or makes much of, right? So we're going to see the Spirit revealing because He's a person. The Spirit is a person who reveals God's will, God's plan, and God's purpose. And the reason why this is so important for us is it's, it's kind of tied to this, this deeper sense of meaning, I was a philosophy minor in college, and this is a question, so I had numerous professors who were not Christians by any means, and this was the wrestle. This is the question, is, what is life all about? Does it have meaning? Is there truth? Is there something bigger? Am I all there is? Is there anything outside of me? Is there a greater purpose I can live for? And it does not matter if you are the most uh, strict religious person or the most ardent atheist those questions kind of burn in you a little bit because we have this desire for something bigger than us to be a part of something greater than us and to be guided by something more than just me amen we, we kind of feel that and so um we get a little bit of this in luke chapter 2 And so what we see is that simeon has been told by the spirit as eric read earlier that he would not die until he sees the messiah so he has this promise from the spirit uh, and we know from Scripture that the Spirit revealed this, and that word's going to show up over and over again. He, he kind of revealed it to Simeon. And he says, hey, you're not going to die until you see the Messiah coming. Now, what we don't know is we don't know how the Spirit did that. Did he hear a booming voice? Did he sort of have this nudging in his heart when he's in prayer where this, he's just like, oh, the Spirit's revealing to me? We don't know that. But what we do know is that the Spirit continues to reveal today. Right? We believe that. We do not believe that the Spirit kind of inspired the New Testament and then said, all right, I'm going into early retirement. Right? We don't believe that. We believe the Spirit is still at work, still revealing, still speaking to people, and we get excited about it as a church. We want to press into that. We want to see what the Spirit is revealing to us. We want to keep in that. And so we want to be a church that looks to the Spirit to reveal His will to us in our personal lives and for the church as a whole. And I'm sure if I ask you to raise your hands, there were many of you in this room that would say, you know what, Jason, at one time in my life, I have felt led to do something. And I don't think it was me just sort of thinking about it, but I think the spirit was kind of nudging me, pushing me to do something like, you know, start a new career or marry this person or break up with this girlfriend or boyfriend or bless somebody financially or just encourage somebody, right? Most of us have probably felt that at some time in our life. And so, for instance, for Sarah and I, uh, just a few months back, it it wasn't really that long ago when I think about it, we were living in Pittsburgh and we began to sense the spirit revealing to to us that our time in Pittsburgh was going to be ending and that he was going to be moving us to the Midwest, which is God's country if you don't know that right? It's wonderful here, right? Amen. I get some amens on that. So, but what we wanted to make sure was that that was not us just being homesick or maybe some bad food we ate, but that really this was the Spirit kind of nudging us saying, all right guys, get ready. Get ready. Something's going to happen. And so as we prayed through that, and as we sought the Spirit to reveal that to us, uh, we weren't sure how that was going to happen, but then we began to feel a sense that maybe God's calling us to church plan. Right? So then we get excited about that. Well, what's that look like? And so what happened was, is Sarah and I are talking about that, and I email sort of our denominational leaders here in the Midwest area, they're in Omaha, and I said, hey, I don't know what this really looks like, I don't have some big plan, but I you know, feel the Spirit's revealing this to us. Uh, can we just have a conversation about potentially there's a lot of if maybe ands in this email that maybe we could talk about planting in one of three cities and I named three cities so they get that email we set up a meeting with them so Sarah and I Skype with somebody from the district office a few days later and that guy's trying to see if we're weird or crazy he's kind of feeling us out a little bit like he should and he says hey I don't want to say that this is definitely going to happen I don't want you to like go all in yet, but uh, when I got your email about an hour before that, I was praying that God would send someone who wanted to plant in one of three cities, and he named the exact three cities that I put in my email, right? So we look at that and go, right, we feel like the Spirit is revealing for us to take another step forward, right? We weren't ready to quit our job yet, but we were going to take a step forward and trust that the Spirit was continuing to reveal His will, So then, a few weeks after that, Sarah and I get to go on a trip to Orlando to a church planning conference, our last day there. And that's a miracle by itself, because I have four kids, and to find a babysitter away from family in like three days, to take four kids, like six and under, was a miracle in itself, right? But it happened. And so, we go to Orlando, and we had a great time, we missed our kids, but we had a good time there, and um, went to a church planning conference, the last day. Sarah's thumbing through the program, which we probably should have done that before we got there. And she goes, hey, some City Light guys are doing a, doing a talk the last day. So we show up to that, and it was Gavin and Chris from Midtown. We'd never really met them before. Well, we start a conversation with them. We got excited. They got excited. And I remember Gavin saying, I feel like maybe the Spirit's doing something here. The Spirit's revealing something here. So we were excited about that. And then probably a few weeks after that, we end up in Columbus, which the denomination that we're a part of had a big uh, meeting there. And Sarah and I find ourselves at a table with six City Light pastors, um, which was a little intimidating. They're asking a lot of questions and kind of feeling us out. And so that meeting went well, and we thought, well, we'll see what comes of that. And then Doug Facebook messages me in the morning and says, hey, uh, could, could me and Eric meet with you and Sarah and your kids? Uh before we take off and so we did that uh shared our story they shared their story uh really exciting time and it was like all right so here's what's next is uh so Doug and Eric are saying we have to go back and talk to our advisory team and pray about this uh and if we feel pretty good about that we'd ask you to come up to Council Bluffs and see if you want to spend some time in this beautiful city with a beautiful bridge with maybe trash or art (laughs) not sure but we were excited about that. But so what happens is, is the spirit kept kind of revealing a little bit at a time. And so we get to this point where we're saying, all right, we're feeling pretty good about this, but spirit, you're going to have to do something because I had to sell a house. All right. We had to find a place to live. And if you move to a new city and you're not really established there, to find a place that can have a family of six can be a bit of a challenge. Uh, I had to tell the church in Pittsburgh that we were leaving. And that's hard to do when you love people and they've invested in you, and you've invested in them. Um, I had a full salary with benefits, and uh, Doug and Eric said, "Um, we're going to pay you in kingdom credits, all right, so you'll get your paycheck on the other side of of this life. Uh, No, they'd pay me more than that, but I had to raise support, which is a bit of a challenge, too, and so we wanted to make sure, Jesus, if this is really you calling us to do this, we need to be clear that this is your will, and so what happens is Doug and Eric Uh, And the advisory team, they feel like the Spirit is leading in this direction. So they say yes to the Wilsons. The Wilsons say yes to City Light. And here we are, five months later. And uh, our next stage is we're still praying for the Spirit to reveal uh, a co-planner and a city. So you can keep praying for us on that because we plan on planting a church, right? It's part of our mission and vision here. And so in all of this, yes, thank you. In all of this, we believe that the Spirit was leading and guiding us and revealing his will to us and, and what's weird about that or maybe a little crazy is there's not a Bible verse that says move from Pittsburgh to Council Bluffs and I haven't read it if it's in there right um, but I do know that God's favor is probably going to be on the Steelers today to beat the evil Patriots just <laughs> just to let you know that all right sorry maybe that was just impromptu that's the spirit leading me right there uh, but we do believe that there are some priority, there are some principles of being led by the Spirit in that because you want to make sure that it's the Spirit's will. And so hear me on this. When you're trying to discern God's will for your life, he'll tend to re- reveal it through godly people and his word. Let me say that again. So you're wrestling with some stuff. Is, God, is the Spirit revealing this to me? Is he leading me in this? He's going to reveal it typically through some godly people, wise godly people, and through his word. Am I supposed to uh, move to Council Bluffs or stay in Pittsburgh? Am I supposed to sell this house or am I supposed to stay here? Am I supposed to take that promotion or stay with that job, right? And as Christians, you wrestle through this stuff all the time. And you want to be led by the Spirit. So the first thing I would say is invite people into that discussion. This is probably why we're a part of a city group, right? And I've heard numerous stories from people in this church about how their city group has come alongside them and supported them, and prayed for them, a family to belong to, right? So you share that with people. The very first church leaders did this as well. It wasn't like they just had these huge epiphanies. In Acts 15, in the book of Acts, is the story of how the early church gets started. And what you have is, you have a church, when it first starts out, that is very similar in their culture, And so what happens is, as the church begins to grow and expand, the gospel continues to spread out. You have people who are culturally very different than them. And so the early church leaders begin to wrestle with this. What do we impose on them as culture, and what do we impose impose on them that is like biblical Christian living? And so in Acts 15, it says this, which I find interesting. It says, it seemed good to us and the Holy Spirit. Not a lot of, it seemed good to us and the Holy Spirit. And you can just picture these guys. They're sitting there talking about these issues. They're praying, and they're like, man, I I feel like the Spirit is saying do this. How do you guys feel? I feel the same way. Let's do it. Let's go forward in that. And that's what happens. In our journey from Pittsburgh to here, uh, Sarah and I were constantly talking about this, sharing each other's uh, thoughts, hearts, how you feeling about this, but we also invited other godly, wise Christian leaders into that discussion. We didn't just make that alone. We invited them into into this. Pray for us. Ask the Spirit to reveal this to us. And it seemed good to us. It seemed good to them. It seemed good to the Holy Spirit. It seemed good to Eric and Doug as they prayed about it with the advisory team. And it seemed good to the Holy Spirit. And the reason why that's so important is because if you feel led to quit your job and your city group thinks that's a bad idea, your spouse thinks that's a bad idea, And every godly, wise person around you thinks that's a bad idea. I wouldn't think twice. I would think like 200 times about that before you make that decision. Right? You're just going to jump into that. Right? Because he reveals his will oftentimes through wise, godly people. But you know what? Some people will continue to push even after that. Even after everyone says, hey, this is a bad idea, I don't really feel like the Spirit is saying this to you, they'll push because their feeling on it is so strong, right? Their feeling is so strong. And the, the process of discovering God's will, your feelings are not enough. They're just, they're just not enough. And I'm not saying they're not insignificant. Feelings do matter. Uh, when I was praying about whether or not I should ask my wife to marry me, I had some emotion around that. I had some feelings around that and if a single guy came to me and said hey Jason I'm praying about whether or not I should marry this girl and I say well why do you want to marry her and he says well I just want to do my duty and there's really no passion I don't get excited about seeing her and I'm really excited about a tax break right I would say that's probably you need to have a look you want a couple who's getting ready to get married to have some passion some excitement you want to have some emotion around that right you do you want that. But feelings aren't secure, right? They're they're not solid enough to make a decision solely based on feelings. Like I had a feeling one time in my early 20s where I was not going to do the rat race. And so I thought, man, it would be a great idea for me to load up my Buick Century and drive out to like Wyoming or Montana and work on a ranch. And you would assume that I had some ranching or farming experience. I did not. Or that I had even been on like a ranch or a working farm? No, I didn't, right? That was just a feeling. And, and couldn't you picture me like just working out in, in that open? No, I would have been sunburnt and miserable and broke. That's what would have happened. That would have been a horrible idea, right? The feeling was not enough. The feeling is why many of us have a treadmill in our basement that now serves as a clothes hanger, right? Right? Because we had such a strong feeling that we should get the biggest piece of clutter we could find and put it in the most uh, cumbersome, like right-in-our-way basement, and we spent money on that, right? And probably some of you are getting those clothes off now because New Year's coming up and you're going to start all over again, right? But we feel that. It's not enough. When you rely solely on feelings, you might end up doing the easy thing, uh, but it's not the right thing right? And when we are seeking God's will for our life, we want to recognize our feelings, uh, but we don't want to lead out of our emotions. We want to lead our emotions, okay? We want to set the pace for that, not let that dictate everything for us. And so as we process these these sort of inclinations, these nudges that we think are from the Spirit, we need to make sure that we invite others into that, godly people, and we need to make sure it doesn't contradict Scripture. Uh, The Spirit. As he's leading you, will never say something different than the word does. And we see this in Simeon, right? He knows, he knows that the Messiah is coming, right? Because he's so steeped in scripture. And this was, this belief that the Messiah was coming is rooted in the Bible, right? So for example, in just a few of those lines, when Simeon sees Jesus, he starts just off the top of his head. He quotes Psalm 98, Isaiah 42, 49, 59, 60, just off the top of his head. And every one of those verses he quotes is pointing to when God will reveal the salvation that's coming, right? So he's steeped in this. And whether the Spirit audibly told this to Simeon or he just had a nudge from the Spirit, he had it, it was rooted in Scripture. Uh, my pastor growing up told this story of a woman who came to him for prayer after the service. And in the church I grew up in, what would happen is, is, if a lady came up, there would be other ladies who would kind of come up behind her and put their hands on her, kind of solidarity and support. And he says, uh, ma'am, what, what can I pray with you about? You know, what, what's your need? And she goes, well, it's an unspoken request. And that's code for uh, this is too embarrassing for me to tell you, or it's going to be too embarrassing for somebody else. So I'd rather just not say. So he does what a good pastor does, and you know, you know, Father, give her the desires of her heart, meet her need here, um, whatever, amen. So then he sees her later, and he says, hey, could, you know, I'm just curious, now that, you know, nobody's around, can you tell me what that unspoken request was? And she goes, yeah, do you see that lady over there? He's like, yeah. She goes, I'm praying that Jesus would give me her husband either through death or divorce. <gasps> well, I didn't expect that reaction from you guys. Wow. <laughs> Right? So my pastor refuses to pray for any unspoken requests after that. Just a little tip for you guys. Um, But what we see is that she probably had really strong, strong, strong feelings for that man if she's willing to like death of a marriage or death of another woman. Pretty strong. And she may have had some friends who said, Yeah, I, I really think you guys would be a great fit. Right? But. The Bible does not say it's okay for her to wish death or divorce on that lady, right? The word guides our desires. It should. And I've heard too many stories of people who have said, I feel like this is what I'm supposed to do, but it does not line up with scripture, All right? And when that happens, it's not the spirit revealing that to you. And so it would have been a lot better if she would have known that the Holy Spirit reveals his will to, her, to us through prayer and through people, godly people, not not, you know, people that are just going to say whatever you want to hear, but people who have your best interest, who love you and love Jesus, walking with you in that, and the word doesn't contradict what you're wishing for. See, like, the Spirit reveals to us God's will for our lives, and the Spirit reveals God's plan through his word, right? As we're trying to see what the Spirit's revealing. He reveals it to us, God's will for our lives, and the Spirit reveals God's plan through his word, And when Simeon sees Jesus in verse 28, right, it's this kind of this picture I have of him, uh, you know, from the Lion King with Simba. You know, he just raises Jesus up and he breaks out into song, which Eric sang it this morning, I can't do it. But when he does, he's singing out Old Testament scripture. Simeon uses about 10 different Old Testament verses when his heart breaks out in song overseeing Jesus, the Spirit reveals God's plan to us in the Bible from Scripture, from the Word. That's how the Spirit does that, primarily. And in 2 Timothy three sixteen, it says, All Scripture is breathed out by God. That's Old Testament, New Testament. It's, it's as if the Bible is the breath of God. That's the primary way we see the Holy Spirit reveal. And the overall plan of the Bible is to reveal Jesus. Uh, Jesus says this in John five thirty nine. He says, You search the scriptures because you think in them you have eternal life. And it is they that bear witness about me. And then in Luke 24, it says, And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. So the Old Testament is pointing up to Jesus. The Gospels show us Jesus. And the New Testament letters are pointing back to Jesus and what he did and what he's going to do soon. Right? A love of scripture Right? A love of Scripture should turn into a love for Jesus. Right? Um, and a love of Jesus should turn into a love of Scripture, but not for Scripture's sake, but to see Jesus more. Right? That's what we want. Um, and here's what this means for us to like, is that if you want to see Jesus more, which I would hope you would, if you want to see him more, ask the Spirit to reveal Jesus to you in the pages of Scripture. You want to do that. Ask the Spirit to do that. Um, because the Spirit loves to reveal Jesus, and we see this in this whole story of Simeon. In the past, Simeon's been promised by the Spirit, hey, Simeon, I'm going to show you Jesus, and then it says the Spirit was on Simeon, and then it says the Spirit empowered him to enter the temple. It's almost like the Spirit is is, kind of, he's got this thing here, and he's like, Simeon, let me show you something awesome. Let me show you something beautiful, Simeon. And it's like the Spirit has got his hand on Simeon's back, and he's just pushing him. Go see Jesus. Let me show you Jesus. And there's this joy the Spirit has in revealing Jesus. I don't think it's any coincidence that Simeon is a man who's deeply committed to the the Scriptures, is also a man who's longing to see Jesus. Okay? Here's a guy deeply committed to the Scriptures so much that when he breaks out in a song, it's, it's dripping with the Bible, is also a man who's longing to see Jesus. And hear this, his ability to see Jesus is not because he was the smartest priest in the temple or because he was the nicest guy in the room. It was because the Spirit revealed Jesus to him. Right? It wasn't how great he was, it was how in love with uh, Jesus the Spirit is. He wants to show Jesus to Simeon. Have right? I mean, you ever had this happen to you where you're like, you've heard a thousand sermons, you've read the Bible a thousand times, but then all of a sudden something clicks and you see Jesus? Does anybody, anybody experience that? Um, so I know for me, I mean, I was raised in the church. I went to church Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. I went to Bible college. And I remember the first time I was in my 20s, I heard a guy preach on David and Goliath, and he said, you are not David, right? Um, Jesus is David defeating uh, the giant of your sin and defeating death. And when he said that, it was like I seen Jesus in a whole new light. And my love for Jesus grew and got bigger, and I was just like, "Well, I've I've never seen the Bible like this. I thought it was like about me and what I needed to do. And when I saw that the Bible was more about what Jesus has done, that relieved me. That took a burden off of me. And when you experience that, you say, "Yes, that's Jesus." And your heart should get excited about that. And see, like, when that happens to you, that is the work of the Spirit revealing Jesus to you. And he wants to do that. The Spirit loves to reveal Jesus. He loves to reveal Jesus in the pages of Scripture. Um, The Spirit reveals God's will through prayer, through godly people. God's plan is revealed through Scripture in the person of Jesus. And finally, we see the Spirit reveal God's purpose. So parents, I want you to imagine that you're bringing in your newborn baby to be dedicated by one of our lovely pastors here in the front row, right? And you bring them in, and let's say Eric, since he's looking at me, Eric takes this baby and lifts him up, and just, Eric just starts praising Jesus because of how wonderful your baby is, right? Your hearts are probably swelling with pride, uh, you're probably crying. It's probably like a sporting event. There's so much flash photography going on because you're going to save this forever. You're dreaming of how you're going to change your Facebook profile of this moment, and you're tagging all kinds of people in it, and it's this beautiful, joyous moment, right? And obviously, this is a firstborn baby, not a second or thirdborn, because you only do this kind of stuff for a firstborn baby, <laughs> right? So your heart's just, just in love, just in love with this little, this little thing here. And then Eric says, and this baby is going to be the rising and falling of many, and your heart will also be pierced, and many hearts will be revealed. You would probably take a moment and think, did, uh, did Eric just say I was going to get shanked? Uh, did he say I was going to get stabbed? And it would be this sort of awkward moment, because it's been leading up to this beautiful moment, and then... Everything changes. This this sort of joyous occasion becomes a very serious moment. And we see this with Mary and Joseph. They've brought their new baby in. And Simeon has this awesome kind of celebratory moment where he lifts Jesus up and he's praising God for Jesus. And then he turns to Mary and he says, This boy is appointed for the fall and the rising of many, and a sword will also pierce through you. And many hearts will be revealed." Hearts will be revealed. The Spirit keeps revealing. He keeps revealing. It's kind of an odd ending that all this happiness, this joy, uh, this scrapbook moment turns into a serious, somber scene. And what we read here is the Holy Spirit revealing God's purpose. And there's this reference to Mary's soul being pierced, uh, that her soul will be pierced. And in the crucifixion narrative, we know that Mary is there. So here's Mary, the same baby that she's brought in, her pride and joy, her firstborn, brings him into the temple, and later she's going to see that little baby beaten, mocked, uh, shamed, and she's going to see them take a, like, take a spear and put it in his side. Can you imagine, you moms, can you imagine the heartache and the heartbreak and the sorrow Mary felt in that moment. That would be crushing. That would be crushing. And Simeon is saying in that moment at the crucifixion, there will be the rising and falling of many and hearts will be revealed. The reason Jesus is born and makes his way to the cross is to redeem and save us. Christmas eventually leads to Easter, right? That journey that begins in Bethlehem ends outside the city of Jerusalem. uh, Where it starts in a dirty wooden manger ends in a dirty bloody cross, right? It's leading up to something. And this picture, this scene of the crucifixion is meant to expose us. It's meant to reveal our hearts. The Spirit sheds light on who we are in that scene. And it's meant to show us our sinfulness, and it's meant to show us the magnitude of God's love. There is a tension in the cross. There is a tension. Uh, So see, our, our prayer is that the Holy Spirit, in his love and his mercy, not in his anger and his angst and his passive aggressive, but in his love and his mercy, would reveal to us the depths of our sinfulness. And with that in one hand, he would also show us how wide and deep and beautiful and profound is the love the Father has for us. Right? There's a tension in that that the cross reveals. And this only happens if the Holy Spirit reveals our hearts to us in light of the crucifixion. So if you're, if you're a follower of Jesus, right? And if you've confessed your sin and your need of Jesus, that was a work of the Holy Spirit revealing. He's showing Jesus to you. That's his work. And that's one of the greatest gifts of Christmas we could ever have. Right, The Spirit revealing Jesus to us. The Spirit reveals to our hearts that we are sinners, that we aren't perfect, that we fall short, that we're deeply flawed, that no amount of trying or do better, try more, pull yourself up by your bootstraps is going to do anything. It's, it's this kind of helpless, I need someone to save me. That's what the Spirit reveals to us, and he reveals to us that Jesus, when we see him on the cross, the love he has for us is Jesus willingly dying on our behalf. And so when we we trust in that, we get to stand right before God. Uh, The Spirit reveals to us the gospel and the person, work, life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. Uh, Tim Keller has this great quote where he says, Jesus came and lived the life we should have lived and died the death we should have died. And that when you look at the cross, you realize that you are more sinful than you ever imagined and you are more loved than you ever dreamed. Right? So that when you see that you're more sinful than you ever imagined, that your sin, as the Spirit reveals that, your sin is so bad and so deep that it cost Jesus his life to make up for that. And yet you are so loved more than you ever dreamt that it cost Jesus. That's the price he was willing to go to get you back, right? That's what the spirit reveals. So maybe some of you this morning are feeling like the spirit has been prompting you, kind of nudging you, wanting to point you to Jesus. And if you haven't made that commitment to Jesus, I would say surrender to the spirit and let him show you Jesus. Let him move you towards Jesus. So go all in today, right, and follow Jesus. See, like, would you pray with me? Father, I thank you so much that you've sent your Son, and Jesus sent the Spirit to reveal your will, reveal your plan and your purpose. Spirit, I would ask that you would show us Jesus in the pages of your Word. May we see Jesus. May we seek you to know your will. May we long to follow in obedience. May we know what you want for our lives and may we respond to that. May we live this life in community. May we take faith-filled risks that you will guide and direct us because you're good and you want to show us Jesus. I ask you this in your name. Amen.